Hi, I'm Paul Swingflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, we take our data web scale as we get an introduction into the wonderful world of Cassandra. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Uh, so on this show, we're taking a look at um, you know what's going to continue to be an interesting trend throughout 2019, and that's the, the move to cloud. Um, but we're going to look at something quite specific on this episode and actually look at the idea of moving uh, the, the most traditional of on-prem solutions, the database, into into the public cloud. Uh, so to help me to discuss this, and, and it's a real new topic for me, so I'm going to be learning an awful lot as we do this, is uh, Patrick Callahan. Hi, Patrick. How are you? I'm very well, Paul. Yeah, well, um, well, thanks for joining us. And um, well, before we get going, uh, why, why don't you introduce yourself uh, and, and tell the listeners a little bit about what it is you do? So, yeah, uh, my name is Patrick Callahan. Uh, I've been a solutions architect with uh, Datastax for the last five years. Um, Datastax are the company behind Apache Cassandra. Um, before that, I, I've been doing Java development and architecture um, for a lot of the and the large banks and investment banks in the UK and, and London. So you mentioned in there um, the idea, uh, you mentioned Apache Cassandra, uh, you know, for people in our industry, um, you know, the the discussion around public cloud is kind of a, an ongoing discussion and, a uh, you know, a, a topic of many a conversation. And things like uh, technologies like Cassandra are something that, that come up on a regular basis. So, um, but you know, for, for me, it's it's not a technology I, I know particularly well. So, I mean, maybe as a starting point, you, you kind of. So, so, what is Cassandra? You know, how does it differ from my kind of on-prem SQL solution, for example? So, Cassandra is a distributed database, and and the the main reason why it's distributed is so that we can scale and have one hundred percent availability. So. When you think about the databases of you know thirty forty years ago that you know sat in a, in a in a building and it was only used maybe three or four times a day by someone working uh, at a desktop, our databases have really changed. In you know the last ten years, um, you know companies like Facebook and Apple have been using databases to scale their business and to decentralize any risk. So Apache Cassandra was created by Facebook about ten years ago. And what they did was they needed a way to have distributed data um, and have the idea that they could have 100% availability, uh, even you know when things go wrong and they have upgrades to do and things like that. So they took two very prevalent papers at the time, and one was Amazon's Dynamo, and that described a, a very simple way of distributing data. And another was Google's Bigtable. And that was a, a very specific way on how to um, how to store data efficiently. And they took those two things and put them together to create a, a product called Apache Cassandra. And it's been used pretty predominantly by a lot of the tech companies for the last 10 years. Um, and my company, Datastax, then obviously we work very hard to promote and support that. And we've built a product um, based on Apache Cassandra for the last eight years. So you touch on some um, some really interesting points in there, you know, and obviously the idea that actually is something that Facebook, um, you know, Facebook created and something that Facebook have then kind of gone on and built, I suppose, built their platform on. Um, so I, I suppose maybe uh, maybe an initial question that pops to mind for me is is why you know so you know we talked about uh, in kind of in the introduction this idea of moving this maybe most traditional of ideas the database to uh, a kind of a modern cloud architecture so so maybe a couple of questions I mean one um, 
why would you want to do that? You know, why why would you want to build this kind of scale out, um, you know, distributed database solution? And and if you do do that, what are some of the problems that uh, that maybe that introduces? So traditionally, you know, when you think of the the relational databases, the oracles and the IBMs and things like that, what what you, what they were built for was to sit on one machine in in a in a building, and basically users to use and interact with that. And then usually those users were very small amount of users. So it could have been three or four employees or maybe 10 or 15, but that, that's what they were created for. Now, in today's world, or even from when we talk about the evolution of uh, you know, web, and then you get into phones especially, and when you have, instead of you know, a small amount of users using a database, you start to get millions. And when you think of a company like Apple, or Spotify or WhatsApp, you think about the amount of people that are accessing data at the same time. So the throughput and speed that the data has to be produced is is quite incredible, and no relational database can actually handle that. So what what happened was that relational databases couldn't scale properly off one machine. So the idea came about that we needed to have this. Uh, I remember. You know, this idea of SETI, you know, we, we clump or we uh, create um, this peer-to-peer system where instead of just having one database, you have lots of databases or lots of, uh, lots of nodes in our world talking together to make a bigger database. So it's kind of like that uh, conquer, you know, divide and conquer. So if you have a database that can scale to 10 or 100 or maybe 1,000 machines, the actual power that that gives you is, you know, in terms of scale and distribution and maybe maybe availability in terms of what happens if some of those machines fail or there's problems in those machines, you have other machines to take over the responsibility. So that's what we came to. We came to this idea that uh, having one database on one machine wasn't a good idea anymore. And that's just kind of catapulted now in terms of the evolution of databases now, you know, we talk about nodes or, or clusters of nodes being in the hundreds or thousands, or maybe even hundreds of thousands of nodes, uh, all working together, whether it's for a cache or a database or you know, a compute farm. But that's, that's where we are now. Yeah, and and I think that's because um, one of the other things that that um, interests me in there, you know, and I've done a lot of bits of work around uh, bits of work around object storage, you know, which which sounds a very you know taking kind of the way we store things and distributing it across many nodes and, and many locations. Because again, one of the things that comes out of that is the idea that you, you touched on there. And I thought it was a really good point actually. You touched on there about you know we're scaling these databases from maybe hundreds and thousands of users to tens to hundreds of thousands of users, but it's not only the scale of that; it's also the location. That that lots of those users might sit in and you know we're, we're many of our solutions and, and many of the organizations we're working are far more geographically spread than they, they've ever been um, and that that I suppose presents a whole bunch of, of different challenges as well I mean what because I mean it sounds great doesn't it the idea that we can just distribute this database use all of this compute and storage and scale um, to to answer kind of all of our big queries but but what are some of the challenges then that you know if I'm listening to that and thinking that sounds great I'd like to move all of my data processing into this kind of um, you know these this distributed global uh, kind of database approach but what, what are some of the challenges that, that introduces to uh, to organizations when they, when they look at doing that 
Well, first of all, it, it's very important to know what data you want to distribute. So having it, I, I've worked for a lot of banks and, you know, traditionally they have a huge amount of uh, data, usually in data silos. So you may have, you know, customer customers and then customer accounts, and then you may have, you know, transactions for uh, retail and commercial. The, the, there's, there's a huge amount of data spread across this bank. And knowing how to get that into the cloud, if you want to take advantage of cloud services and things like that, is really, really important. But then you have to decide, well, how do I ensure that this data is consistent across my, my on-premise database and my, my cloud database or private cloud database? And this is where the idea of hybrid cloud comes in, because we really do want to be able to take advantage of the cloud. Enterprises do have an enterprise, a cloud strategy, but having data in two different places throws up huge amounts of problems in terms of the challenges in keeping that data in sync, um, reconciliation between data sources, and and really then you have to, and, and, and the other part is you have to be able to manage that in terms of, well, what if I don't want to use, for example, Azure's cloud anymore, or AWS's cloud? What, what, what? Um, mitigation or risk mitigation do I have and what strategies can I put in place to help me with that that problem that I'm going to have or maybe never have but at least I can I can mitigate that risk so it's very difficult to do it from a traditional point of view but again this is why these databases have been uh, that you know they've been created and evolved over the last 10 years is to solve that exact problem whereby I can insert data into uh, a data center for uh, clarity's sake, if you want to say my on-premise database lives in my data center, but I can expand that and have replicas of that data set in AWS or Azure or Rackspace, it doesn't really matter, but I can pick and choose which data is, is replicated and how fast it is and maybe the consistency of, how, uh, uh, of that data between um, my data set and the public data sets. So th there's a huge amount in there. Um, but the problems that the companies are having is they may, you know, the CTO or CEO may come down and say, right, we are making a decision to go with Azure, for example. Um, and then what happens is you, you have to decide, what am I, how am I going to get my data, say from a mainframe or an Oracle database, onto that, that cloud? Because when we think about what's happened in the last kind of five years, 10 years, a lot of work has been done about moving applications to the cloud. So um, there's been a huge move in, in you know, containerization like Docker or even VMs um, and things like Kubernetes to get and move deployable components um, like the application, the business logic, and be able to throw it anywhere. You, you, we can now take advantage of any cloud and be able to run compute very easily. But as you mentioned earlier, the actual most important part of a business is its data. So if you can't, and I call it fluid data, it's just my word, but if the data can't be fluid and move with the application where you push the application, then it becomes a little restricting, right? So yes, I want to take advantage of Azure's cloud to do you know, multiple compute engines, but it doesn't make sense if those engines 
have to use data back on my on-premise database. I, I, I've, what I've done is I've created a huge one bottleneck between my, my application, but also I've created latency and throughput issues that you know are going to get worse the, the more successful my business is. So, I mean, there's, there's, I suppose there's loads to kind of pick through in what you've said there. Um, so I, I'll, I'll start with one of the things that, that's um, kind of jumped out straight away at me there. Is, is this idea, though, and I, I suppose I didn't realise this. So is, is this something that we can, you, you kind of talked about hybrid. Is this something that actually then we can deploy as truly hybrid? So if we want to keep stuff on-prem, you know, we can build a use phrase nodes before we could build some uh, scalable nodes, maybe across our own data centers and then use cloud where appropriate or when we need to maybe upscale performance or something like that. So, so I suppose that's my first question. Is, is that uh, we, we can architect these solutions in that way? Yes. So, so what we would, when we use uh, Apache Cassandra, what we do is basically we use that database inside of an organization, say an on-premise organization. Again, let's take the example of um, transactions for a bank. So what we do is we would have all the transactions and all the customer transactions in that database. And what we can then do is we can say, well, I want that database replicated. And where do I want to replicate it? Well, at this moment in time, I have a, my on-premises in Slough, and I want to be able to uh, expand, expand this database to be able to take advantage of AWS, for example. So we can create um, you know, a, a number of nodes in AWS and set them up as an uh, Apache Cassandra data center. And once we do that, then it becomes a simple operation to say, now I want my data to live both on my data center and in AWS. And that's just, and, and the database itself will understand how to replicate, replicate that data in real time without any downtime for the users or any problems like that. But what that creates then, it, there's, there's lots of advantages, but two of them is, one, you're in control of your data. If you don't want your data on, on AWS anymore, or you want to replicate that data to Azure or Google, that's a very simple operation. You can move the data to anywhere you want it to be. The other thing it gives you is, is, is availability. So now if there's a problem with your data center, or you have, to, um, you have a data breach and you need to restart all your, uh, your operations, uh, you have to you know, apply patches or something, then you don't actually lose any downtime because your data center and database in uh, AWS takes all the load from your applications. So you, you can have, like we, we talk about disaster prevention as in disaster avoidance. We, you know, the, the idea behind Apache Cassandra is that you never actually go down. You never have a problem because you always have availability, whether it's in another data center or within a data center. Um, you know, it's it's that whole idea of being one hundred percent available. So, and so that, what? So I was going to ask you, so it's one, one question on that. So, you know, and I really like this idea of being able to scale from on-prem into the cloud. So, but, but I'm also interested in the idea that is this something that you can apply a level of intelligence and automation to as well? So that the platforms that you're building around Cassandra, that those platforms can understand when there is a requirement for scale. And is that something you can automatically do or is that something that you need to kind of architect in from the start? 
you you can you can make it auto scale, but one of the problems with auto scaling and auto scaling is usually very good for app centric uh, strategies. So I my application is coming up to you know eighty percent load. I want to scale out you know ten more uh, application nodes. That's that's fine, but the problem with databases is it's really the heart of the system, you know. And what we do, you know, we recommend as, as you know, experts in Cassandra is that we look at, we have forecasting tools um, that forecast the, you know, storage requirements and things like that. And what we really want to be able to do is uh, be proactive in, uh, you know, scaling the database. We do it before there's a problem. And, the, you know, the biggest reason for that is sometimes when the database is under pressure, or you know, ninety percent full, uh, and you're you know you're coming up to peak times. That's the last time you really want to be starting to change database, you know, procedures and operations. You want to be able to kind of you know, I, I say proactive because any database administration is kind of the same, right? We're looking for anything that's going to cause us a problem. So we need to be able to see that in the future and you know scale appropriately. Typical example would be, you know, Black Friday or um, Cyber Monday. Companies know that they're, they're going to have peak. So what they do is the week, maybe two weeks before, they start to scale the database. They may double the size of the database for that, you know, maybe holiday period. And then in January, they bring the database back down to size. And that's a simple way of just being able to accept peak loads without any um, you know, any latency issues or any uh, throughput issues, but be able to bring the database back down to a certain size after the, the peak events happen. Yeah, so it's kind of important that, that so it's important that the flexibility is there and that you can do that kind of stuff. But there's an element of, and it, and it makes perfect sense, you know, we're talking about data here and you, you kind of touched on this idea of fluid data. And I, I, and I noticed when I was I was kind of looking ahead at what you guys did before, before we had this chat, you know, on your website, you talk about this kind of autonomy of data. That the idea that because it's data, data has got some weight and gravity to it. So if we're going to pre-populate some of these things for scale, it probably does make it make sense that we we do that with some kind of predictive planning. Um, and, and you kind of touched on there that you know you you know as data stack, you, you guys have got some tools there that can maybe help predict some of that and help you to plan ahead. And like you say, and, and actually that ability, uh, which is equally important, I think, to be able to scale back when you you do some of this stuff. Um, so, so I mean, it's a, another question kind of that, that pops up as you're describing uh, the way this runs. I and mean, you've talked a little bit um, a couple of times about applications. You, you've touched on kind of banking as a, as a good example and, and retail in what you were just talking about there. I mean, if I'm listening to this and I'm a, a, an IT decision maker sat within a traditional enterprise, if you like, you know, is there, what kind of things would I be looking for in my applications and, and the way my operations work that might make me want to consider something like Cassandra as a as a kind of a future technology platform? Well, the main things that we talk about is is distribution and scale. Um, and, and that comes along with things like 100% availability. So if you think of the companies that that have kind of embraced Cassandra as the, the foundation of their company. Uh, it's companies like Apple and Netflix and Spotify and Uber and Instagram. They're all very, very uh, big technology users. But not only that, they these companies have really changed how 
um, how we see and use the internet. So, you know, there's no, the expectancy of speed, um, the expectancy of uh, 100% availability, as in the application is always there. Um, the idea of context is really important. You know, if you, if you look at any application now, it's, it, they're, what they're trying to do is create a user experience that's tailored to you. So having context is really important in that, in that scheme as well. So for an enterprise, they have to, there's, there's so many decisions to be made. And I think one of the hardest things for enterprise architects now is knowing what data to move. Or if, for example, you want to take advantage of Google's AI service, you know, what data do I need in place on Google that will allow me to do that? Or things like what, what data is so critical that we need a database that can scale and uh, be distributed or maybe even be able to move data across Europe or maybe across to America uh, in a real-time fashion that's actually going to have a, um, a positive and, and important knock-on effect on my business. And I suppose that's, that's really where the enterprises have to take, take stock. It's the business value of their data. Um, I, I personally don't think it's good enough that any database or any company would say to uh, say to their users in two, 2018 that, you know, the database will be down for four hours and, you know, you're just going to have to suck it up. I think realistically, if you're not 100% available and you don't um, provide that level of service to your customers, there's enough competitors that they'll just move on to someone else. So I think that that's that's a massive thing for businesses to take take stock of. Um, the other thing is, you know, we we deal with a lot of IoT uh, companies as well, and IoT could be telecoms, it could be smart sensors, but the uh, explosion in in data and the explosion of devices has caused this, you know, it, it's this explosion of scale, right? Your database has to be able to scale with your business, and for us, we, we talk a lot about re replacing relational databases and things like that. And one of the, the big things that comes up is, you know, we scaled our database three years ago and now it's full again. And we're going to have to spend a massive, massive outlay on, you know, um, you know, hardware and network support and everything just to scale it for another three years. And then we don't know what's going to happen then. So having that type of data um, that's going to scale no matter what you do. You don't know how you're, long you're going to have to retain your data. Um, you don't know how many customers you're going to have. That just, it, it kind of sends all the signals that you should have a database that's going to grow with your business. Because as soon as the business is impacted by your, your IT or your database, then you're losing, you, you know, you're at a disadvantage to someone's uh, company who's going to scale with their business and, you know, go from 100 customers to 50 million. And, and you know, and, and that, those kind of things happen with things like WhatsApp or, you know, viral applications and things like that. So, I mean, lots of that makes it makes perfect sense as well. I think the idea that, um, I, you know, there's some great points in there. I think the idea that businesses can tolerate outages uh, now, you know, for most modern businesses, they, they just can't because, as you kind of alluded to there, that actually that your if your business is prepared to tolerate a four-hour downtime on a key customer service database, 
you know, you're in a world where it's so easy for us to move between uh, our suppliers because we just go online and find the next one in the list of supplies we might want to look at. You know, lots of businesses just can't tolerate the, those kind of outages. And I think that idea of kind of flexibility of scale is hugely important as well, you know, that we need, and we've kind of touched on this already, but the idea that we need to be able to scale up and scale down uh, and maintain and do that without interruption, you know, that, that flexibility is absolutely crucial. Um, but so, so as we come to the end of our time, one of the questions I did want to ask, because Cassandra is something that I think we, we can all use, you know, it's a it, it's a database that's available to to all of us. But for kind of you, you, you know, you, you mentioned that in the, the intro, you're a solutions architect at Datastax. I mean, what, what are you guys what, what are you guys doing in this space with Cassandra that, um, that you know, that, that's adding value to kind of that, that native platform? So database, uh, sorry, Datastax was created eight years ago based by the CTO of our company who was the Apache chair at the time um, of, of Apache Cassandra. And the need was that they needed support, they needed professional services. Um, and, you know, Datastax evolved out of that. We, you know, what we try to do is provide an enterprise-grade version of Apache Cassandra. That's first and foremost. So in terms of security, um, you know, patching, fixing, any anything that a customer of an enterprise grade needs. So we we include things like for security, we would have LDAP and, and Kerberos. We would we integrate things like Apache Spark uh, for real-time analytics and streaming. Um, we have search built in uh, with Lucene indexes. We have our own native graph. Um, but all that really is is based upon this amazing database called Apache Cassandra, because everything that we do, sorry, everything that we do is built on this idea that, you know, we need you as a, as a, as an enterprise need a database that can scale, that can have a hundred percent availability can be geo distributed around the world or, you know, just for maybe availability sakes or uh, active, active cases. And, you need to be able to, you know, you need to be able to administrate that database. We need to be able to operate it in real time. So everything that we do is is to help customers to do that. Um, and as I say, I've been working there for five years, and you know, it's great to see. You know, we obviously work with some of the biggest companies using Cassandra and DataStacks, but looking at what people are doing now in terms of the next you know the next netflix the next spotify's um it's it's really going to be an incredible kind of journey for the next few years of partnering with these kind of companies in creating these applications so it's very exciting um and it's uh, it's also a challenge because obviously big enterprises are coming to this problem where you know I, we have to do something with our data because our competition is and if you look at the kind of the disruptors in all the markets, there's there's disruptors in the automotive industry, disruptors in, you know, the taxi industry, uh, disruptors in fintech, and these companies, these disruptors are using this type of technology because they know it works. They know, you know, the Netflixes and the, the Spotify's have done it. So where you got to start is you build your foundation correctly. Once you have your foundation correctly that you can scale and be 100% available and nothing is going to stop your business growing, then you have a real opportunity to, you know, stamp your IP and, you know, really go out and, and deliver some incredible products. 
Yeah, and I, I think that, that idea, and, and I think that's something we're going to see more, uh, accelerate more quickly, is this idea that organizations are starting to see the value in their data and are now looking at how do they architect solutions that are going to allow them to get value out of that. Um, I mean, one final question, actually, on data stats before we wrap up. So uh, you was kind of describing um, what you guys do and, uh, you know, how, you, how you're adding value to kind of that Cassandra database. Um, I mean, is that something that people take as a service from you? So do you offer kind of a managed service around? Cassandra, or is it, a, is it a product that people can buy? How, how does it work? So th- there is a product. There's Datastax Enterprise, and like I said, that, that that's basically a platform built on Apache Cassandra. But it's a lot more than that. You know, I, I don't want to go too far, but we have graph, search, uh, uh, analytics. Um, we have uh, uh, administration operations. We've got security. Um, but that's a product that you take and you deploy um but we also have like things like docker containers to make things easy we're on you know the azure private cloud um but also then we have a managed service so if you want the idea of i well i like this idea i want this database but i don't want to have to manage it and i don't have to deal with the operations we offer that as a service as well so there's a couple of different options but it you know, in general, what we see is the big enterprises want to get the technology in-house. They want to have, you know, a center of excellence because I think they see the, the, the benefits of this. They, you know, everybody's looking to technology companies to see what is the next wave, what is the next, um, you know, evolution of databases and data management. So they can see that it's it's worthwhile bringing this kind of stuff in house and getting the technology and getting the the expertise, so that they not only can build it in house, but then they can build and offer solutions based on that as well on on, on their products. Well, I, mean, I think there's a, there's probably another show, and maybe I'll try and get you back on another time to talk about um, kind of the direction where some of this is going. And you kind of already hinted at uh, some of the exciting developments you're seeing your customers using this kind of data management and, and data platform to to kind of do. So, so I'm sure there's a whole show in that. But uh, well, look, as, as we wrap up, Patrick, and uh, you know, I really appreciate your time on this. Uh, if people have listened to this and, and like me are um, fascinated and intrigued about kind of the capabilities of these kind of platforms and you know and the kind of things that data stacks can add as well uh, what what's a good way of people finding out more about what you guys do and um, you know and if they've got questions or want to fire things over to you is a, is a way to follow you social media or or some other way yeah i'm, I'm on twitter it's uh, my handle is at pacho 2005 but i'm i'm on linkedin patrick callahan uh, i'm always you know my job is to basically help people use um, both Datastax and Apache Cassandra. So I'm always, you know, open for questions, open for problems. That's kind of what I love to do. Um, yeah, so sorry. Oh, one thing that I did want to mention, which is a great resource, is uh, Datastax Academy. So Datastax Academy has huge amounts of tutorials, videos. It's all free. It's all at your own pace. And then, you know, if you wanted to get on, uh, go and get certified on, on Apache Cassandra or Datastax, that's, that's your own choice. But there is a huge amount of information out there. Um, and a lot of the great content um, is by people using Apache Cassandra. So we t- you know, talk about Instagram or uh, Spotify, Netflix, but they have done a huge amount of open uh, blogs and open reference data architectures on how they actually use this data. And it's funny because I think one of the things that that uh, investors are looking at is 
the investors are looking at the technologies that companies who are successful use. You know, if we talk about growth and exponential growth, uh, investors now are looking at those companies. So what makes them successful? You know, is it the technology? Is it the idea? You know, Netflix isn't particularly that different from Amazon Video or maybe other some, you know, uh, uh, other uh, streaming uh, applications. But what makes them so successful? Why have they, um, you know, why have they generated huge user base and huge amounts of funds? So I think that's another thing to consider is that we should ideally look at who is successful. You know, it's the same idea in, in, in personal development. What makes people successful? And then try and apply that and do that, you know, similar thing in, in your enterprise or your life. Well, uh, Patrick, I think that's a, that's a great tip to end the show on. So um, look, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for being on the show and look forward to speaking to you again uh, in the near future. Cheers, Paul. Really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes. Next week, we start a short series of shows where we talk to cloud architects and migration specialists about the move to public cloud. So make sure you catch those shows. Why not subscribe? And if you enjoy them, why not leave us a review? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>